So happy to be with you here today. My name is Nathan, one of the pastors, and man, it's good to be with you guys here in beautiful Dawsonville. 2020 off to a good start so far. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, hey, before we dive in, I, I just like to see how many of you come all the way down from like Dahlonega or the Lumpkin County area. Anybody? Yeah, I want to invite you guys to a night of worship at UNG that Mountain Lake Church is putting on January 26th at 5 p.m. Uh, we'll be giving all kinds of social media updates about it, but uh, let's see what God could do. Bring a little bit of more life change experience up to the Dahlonega area, January 26th. So we're kicking off a new series overrated. And some of you may already feel five days into the new year that your resolutions were a little bit overrated. I want to take a look back at 2019 and then think about the things that worked, the things that didn't work, the things that made us laugh, the things that made us cry, because a lot of those moments are what kind of guide us into the new year and, and kind of fuel a sense of change. I used to be a youth pastor, so I think a lot about memes and movies. So I brought a few pictures that I want to share with you. Let's, let's dive in and reflect on some of the movies of 2019. If you're like me, you maybe grew up a part of your childhood in the 90s. You had a lot of classic Disney movies like Aladdin, like uh, The Lion King that were animated. They got remade into live action films. So 2019, they, they brought those back to life. So you felt like you were reliving your childhood, kind of like Billy Madison in this meme here. I felt like I was twice the size of everybody in almost every movie that I went to this year. A lot of great classics. I'm not quite so sure that they were as good as the original animated Disney films, but it was a good year for movies. Star Wars universe brought us a new character, the baby Yoda. You guys know that was a good character. If you're not watching, it's on Disney Plus. They were supposedly gonna release a Baby Yoda toy that was supposed to like take toy stores by storm, like the Tickle Me Elmo of the 90s, but they didn't get it manufactured in time, so be on the lookout for Baby Yoda Christmas 2020. It was an interesting year in the food industry. Let's give a hand to Chipotle. They didn't have any E. coli outbreaks. That's a, that's a big deal. They stuck to their New Year's resolution, but a lot of y'all, whether there's E. coli in there or not, it does a number on your stomach. Let's just be honest, that's just Chipotle. You know, Chick-fil-A still reigns supreme with the chicken sandwich. I don't care what you say, Popeyes. Set your goals a little higher this year. Maybe it'd be good to actually have those chicken sandwiches available at your stores. That would be a good New Year's resolution for Popeyes, right? Papa John, he had a rough year. He was caught on camera saying that he ate 40 pizzas in 30 days. That is Olympic level dedication and he needs to know that we've got to see our class just for that. Join us, Papa John's. How many of you in the Christmas time got maybe caught in one of those pay it forward generosity cycles. Maybe you were like in line at a cashier and, and you get to the register and they're like, hey, the person in front of you paid for you. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? It's kind of this really good holiday feeling where you just feel the love and somebody shared their story and let's just say it went viral. They got caught up in the moment. I wanna show you this quick video and I bought her ginger ale and I was like happy holidays and we like we you know it was a precious moment so I walk outside and I'm still in this mindset that the holidays are so magical <laughs> and I see this man he is I'm sorry <laughs> okay I swear I see this man he's cleaning my windshield <laughs> Christmas magic. And so 
oh gosh, I'm, I just love this time of year, you know? So I walk up to this man and I am like, this is my favorite part of humanity. I love Christmas so much. Thank you for doing this. And I give him a hug. <laughs> it wasn't my car. <laughs> yeah, that was a special moment. I'd say, you know, we need a few more people like her in 2020. So we're reflecting on a year of ups and downs. For me, I had one of my best moments of 2019. I got to go on a trip to Israel and, and see the Holy Land. Brought a few pictures I wanted to show you. This first one you're going to see up there is from uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the mount where Jesus preached uh, one of his most famous messages. The Beatitudes come from this area. Uh, the next picture you're going to see is from Bethlehem. It's the field where they believe the shepherds were when the angels came and told them about the birth of Jesus. And then one more quick picture. It's a thousand-year-old olive trees where they believe the Garden of Gethsemane probably was where Jesus would have prayed before he went to the cross. Now, you've heard people say when they, when they go to Israel, like, man, the Bible just comes to life. And, and you might be surprised with some of these pictures that you think, man, it's in the Middle East. Isn't that a desert? Well, this was told by God that this would be a land of milk and honey when he led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. He said it was going to be flowing. It was going to be this place of abundance and it was going to be flourishing with milk and honey. And, and, and it, while we were driving from site to site, we saw a lot more desert than we did milk and honey. You know, we would see groves of like oases and we would see like we saw the Dead Sea and we saw, you know, uh, palm trees. And so we just asked the tour guide like, Hey, we, we heard this was supposed to be a land of milk and honey. It seems to be a lot of desert. Like, what's going on here? And what the tour guide said to me was, was, was a very powerful response that I think is not just a commentary on desert agriculture, but on our lives, our relationships, the decisions we make, the goals that we're setting. He, he said this, the promised land, it is what you make it. It all depends on how you work the land. Now, Israel, modern day, it's still an arid, dry climate, but it's also become an agricultural superpower because of their ability to work the land. And they've exported this technology to struggling countries all over the world with deserts and, and very dry, arid climates. Like their water technology, their hydration technology is something that's, that's changing parts of the world because they were faithful to work their land. Now, as you're setting your goals, as you're reflecting on the goals that you maybe accomplished or just fell a little bit short of in 2019, and maybe that's fueling the ambition and fueling the goals for 2020, I want that truth to just maybe sit on us. That, that accomplishment that we're looking for, that promised land flowing with milk and honey that we're hoping 2020 could be, it's only going to be as good and abundant and as fruitful as we make it. As faithful as we are to work it, we will see a correlation to the sense of abundance that we're hoping for in the coming year. And this isn't a statement about God's love. God loves you unconditionally. And there's no amount of cultivation or obedience or Bible study or church attendance in your life that could warrant a greater output of God's love. It's unconditional. But as we're going to see today in scripture that God's blessings, our rewards are conditional 
And they're proportionate to our obedience and our faithfulness. The promised land, your hopes and dreams, that sense of abundance, it is what we make it. So if you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be studying one of these scriptures that is an agricultural metaphor. It's all throughout scripture. This idea of seasons and harvest and planting the right seeds and seeing the right kind of fruit. I think it's a very appropriate scripture that we're about to dive into because we probably all have a lot of hopes and dreams of how this year could be different and better than last year. So let's see what God's word has to say. And let's start with a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Jesus, would you speak to us today? Guide us through your word. And I pray that as we compare our lives against it, you would show us the response that we're supposed to take as we cross into greater levels of obedience and faithfulness in this new year. In your name we pray, amen. If you didn't have a Bible, we're going to be starting um, in Galatians chapter 6. It'll be on the screens for you to follow along. Verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if... Circle that if in your Bible, if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think we've all got something in our life in 2019 that we kind of gave up on. Now, we wouldn't say that we gave up. Maybe we'd say we were just taking a break. We needed a little bit of a rest. We deserved a little bit of a break. But isn't it funny how there's a fine line between a rest and a rut? Something that you thought, yeah, I'll get back to it later. Maybe it was a DIY home improvement project. Like right now, this very minute, the top layer of cabinets in my kitchen, they're all dismounted because I thought over Christmas break, yeah, we're going to go ahead and try to paint our cabinets ourselves. Worst day ever. I don't think we're ever going to get doors back on our top row of cabinets. You've been there before where you're like, I need a break and you've kind of lost the motivation and it was once just going to be a rest has now turned into a rut or you can't land the plane. We've all been there. Maybe that's what's fueling some of your New Year's resolutions and your goals and the new habits and the new disciplines that you want to put in place. We got to be careful that the things that we take a break from don't become a rest. This, this scripture is promising a reward, but many of us are settling for a rest. And the difference between those two so often is our ability to overcome that sense of weariness. If we want to see rewards, if we want to overcome, if we want to see a fruitful year, a harvest year, a banner year, a land flowing with milk and honey kind of year, we've got to grasp this principle that we reap what we sow. God will not be mocked. His blessings are connected to our obedience. If we want to see rewards in 2020, We've got to understand that rewards are proportionate to resolve. This isn't just an endurance kind of message. This is about our inner strength, overcoming this inner fatigue, the sense of, man, I just need a break. So often those breaks turn into just giving it up all together. And our life can stack up with a bunch of unfinished tasks and a bunch of good intentions. 
This scripture, this promise, this idea of harvest and reward is heavily connected to our resolve to be obedient, to be faithful, and to keep on putting one foot in front of the other as we strive to become the men and women that God has created and called us to be. Your rewards in 2020 will be proportionate to your resolve. And that's why I believe Paul chose to use the word weary instead of tired. So don't grow weary in doing good. Did you know there's a major difference between these two words, tiredness and weariness? I would, I would propose to you today that it's a good thing to be tired if you're tired from, let's say, a hard day's work or, or giving your family all you've got. I, I'll say this to you, Christian. Your work ethic should outshine everybody in your department, the person to the right, the person to the, to the left of you, your cubicles, not because you're trying to beat them or trying to climb the corporate ladder. No, because the Bible says that whatever we do as Christ followers, we should do for the glory of God. And I just want to remind you that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. It's okay to come home tired from a hard day's work. I, I wanna go to bed tired because I exerted my energy and my efforts into the things that mattered most. As a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, I wanna stand before the Lord one day and hear well done my good and faithful servant. And I don't think it's gonna happen if I've got a lot of leftover energy because I just kinda mailed it in. It's okay to be tired from working toward things that matter and working for relationships and people that matter. That's a sense of tiredness from physical exertion. That's not what Paul's talking about here in Galatians. He's talking about weariness, a sense of deterioration of our inner being, our, our inner strength. The, the, the original language in the Greek, it actually conjured up this word image of the sense of our, uh, our resolve dissolving. So whatever you feel like, oh, I was mustering up this courage and this ambition and I was going to join this gym and I was going to push through. There's going to be a moment ahead where it seems a bit overrated. When the rest of the gym membership begins to wane in about six weeks, it's gonna be really easy for you to try a little bit less harder tomorrow than you did for today. It's gonna to be really easy to, to start spending the way that you used to spend instead of having those disciplines and those dedication to set aside that budget and reduce that debt. We've all got goals that can easily become overrated if we give in to the weariness. Don't settle for a rest. Don't find yourself in a rut when you were meant for a reward. Don't grow weary over doing the right thing. There's a difference between weariness and tiredness. So I think if we're gonna pick this apart and figure out how do I overcome? How do I push through? How do I prevent my resolve from dissolving? I think we've gotta identify some of these sources of, of weariness in our life. We, we know where tiredness sets in. Like we know the things that drain our physical energy, like carbs, for instance. Like how many of you grew up in a day and age where they had this food pyramid and they said the most important thing in your meal and your diet is this bottom layer. What is the bottom layer full of? Carbs, right? Pasta and grains. And what I've learned is like your body processes those things almost the same way it processes a snicker bar. Like you get really, really tired from eating the wrong kind of things. It's not exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about 
mental, spiritual, emotional energy, our resolve wearing down. So what wears down our resolve? Not just what makes us tired. It, for me in my life, it, it comes from focusing on things that I can't control. Because when I can't control the effort, that means I also can't control the outcome. How much of our life is spent worrying about things that we got no control over, like somebody else's happiness, somebody else's opinion, somebody else's thoughts about us. Like that's really why most of us are on social media. We're trying to project a certain quality of life, a hashtag blessed kind of life to impress people that we haven't seen since high school. We cannot control another person's happiness. We can't control what they think about us. But there's something inside of our, our human instincts that causes us to fixate on things that we can't control. And that's where we seem to exert 90% of our effort. And it's no wonder when we're trying to control the things that we can't, trying to be God, and when we don't see the outcomes we want, we get this mental fatigue, this emotional weariness. Another source of weariness in my life is when I disconnect myself from the reason why I implemented these new behaviors or a new diet or a new budget. I've established some new boundaries. When we forget about the why behind the what, we can easily grow weary because we will start getting into a little bit of a, of a routine. And when our routine is lacking like the reason why, it just becomes kind of mundane. So sometimes we've got to reacquaint ourselves with the why behind the what. Who do I want to become? What type of a dad do I want to be? What type of legacy do I want to leave behind? These are reasons why we can stick to the disciplines and the behaviors that we're enacting that we believe will produce a promised land kind of year. But when we disassociate ourselves with a compelling why, we can lose heart. The book of Proverbs says it like this, where there's no vision, where there's no why, people perish. Other translations say where there's no vision, where there's no why, people cast off restraint. That's overrated in a nutshell. When you forget why you're doing the things, it's easy to eat that one extra brownie, right? You cast off restraint. Discipline becomes elusive when we forget about the why. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves at the end of another year, a year full of good intentions, a year full of things that we didn't quite finish, potential that never was actualized. So how do we see a harvest? How do we push through the weariness? Where do we need to shift our focus so that we can find endurance? Well, for me, I found that in life I can control very little, but the things that I can control are the things that God has given me stewardship and discretion over. Those are the areas where I can see fruit. Those are areas where I can have an impact on the output because I can modify the input. So what do I actually have control over? I, I want to use our favorite highway in Georgia, the Georgia 400, to kind of illustrate this. How many of you have been caught in the middle of rush hour and you're just surprised and frustrated like, why is this like a parking lot? Why can't I get in where I want to go? Why is traffic not moving? It's like, it's always been that way. You have no control over Georgia 400, but what you do have control over is when you leave your house, when you set your alarm. If you ask Waze, 
to give you an alternate route. That's what this idea of endurance and obedience is, is it's finding an alternate route. It's not settling for the path of least resistance. It's not just going with the flow of what everybody else is doing. It's choosing something different. If you're stuck in Georgia 400 rush hour, it's because you chose to be there. You had control over the path that you took and the time you left your house. The fruit that we're seeing in our life, let's just look ourselves in the mirror and have the courage to understand that the, the results that we're getting, the harvest that we're seeing today are directly connected to the seeds that we planted yesterday. Today's results are yesterday's work. Let's just own it. Let's control the things that we can control. What that looks like in my life, I can control my calendar. I can control what I say yes to. And, and in my life, if you're like me, I suffer from a condition, a chronic condition called FOMO, fear of missing out. So what I'm learning, one of the most spiritually wise things I can do is say no. Because if I try to make everything important, nothing's important. If everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So I'm going to take control over the things that I can take control over. My attitude, my energy, my efforts, my calendar, when I wake up, when I leave my house, when I set aside time to study God's word and walk and talk with him. When I set aside time to invest in the relationships that matter the most with my wife and my kids. When I set aside time to grow as a pastor. These are things that we all have stewardship and discretion and control over. And these are the areas where God wants to see the greatest fruit because he's given us the seeds to plant. So if we want 2020 to be different. We got to take a step back. We got to look ourselves in the mirror and say, man, what can I do to change the outcome? And what areas of my life has God entrusted into my care? One of the things that we say around here, the, the word that we use for discipleship, and that's kind of a church term for, for growing in your walk with Christ, becoming more like Jesus. We say it's this, it's identifying and taking the next meaningful step. So I, I just want to maybe make some suggestions. As a pastor, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You, this is something you've got to wrestle with. Like, I want you to see the, the power that you have here. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if... We do not give up. That if is an invitation. That means God is putting the ball in your court. What are you gonna do? What steps are you gonna take? What seeds are you going to plant? Everything is in that if. Relationally, what seeds will you plant this year? Financially, what seeds will you plant this year? If your finances are out of whack, you do what Brian said and try something like Financial Peace University. There's a reason Jesus himself talked about money more than heaven or hell. It's because money competes for our faith more than anything else. And money is a bad God. It takes more than it gives. So what are you going to do to get your finances in order so that your, your, your faith and your security can come from God, not your finances? In your relationships, will you be more generous with apologies, more generous with acceptance of those apologies? Will you believe the best about your spouse instead of defaulting to the worse. Will you reconnect with some severed relationships? Be generous with second chances and reconciliation. Spiritually, what is the next step that you need to take? For me, it's, it's one more fill in the blank. I think that would work for anybody. One more chapter of Bible study. 
One more minute, one more hour of prayer. Wake up one more hour early so I can spend time with God before the kids get up. What is that one more thing you can do to, to lean into God more tomorrow than you did today? We've all got a next step we can take because the promised land, it is what you make it. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. The ball is in our court. God loves us unconditionally, but his blessings hinge upon our faithfulness, our stewardship. If we want greater rewards, we must have greater resolve. God wants to do significant things in and through you in 2020. Your New Year's resolutions don't have to become overrated. But the promised land, the land of milk and honey, a banner year, it is what we make it. So let's join God on this journey into a fruitful and abundant year. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy just because we show up to church more or we read one more chapter, or we pray one more minute. What it does mean is the potential, the hopes, the dreams of abundance and blessing are a lot more likely to happen if we hunker down and do the next right thing. So what is that next step? What's the next thing you can do, the next act of obedience, of faithfulness, of stewardship that would warrant God's blessing in your life? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. I wanna seek God's heart to guide us toward that next step together. So let's pray together. God, in these next few minutes, as we're worshiping, I would just ask that you would do what you do that I can't do, Lord, that you would guide us toward a personalized plan of obedience, that you would identify the seeds that we're all supposed to be planting in all the different areas of our life, Lord. Help us to identify things that have yet to be surrendered to you. Give us the courage and the discipline and the endurance to overcome the weariness and to keep on doing the next right thing. Lord, we'll just give you permission to move freely in our hearts and our minds as we lift up this last song to you. Speak to us, Jesus. We're still listening. In your name we pray. Amen.